Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bisking. Before we get to this week's episode with Jason Samatachi, former St. Louis Cardinal, I want to talk about my four great sponsors. First, Synchrony HR, Inbound Blend Digital Marketing, Enterprise Bank and Trust, and NWO IT Services. On this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast, we have Jason Samatachi, former Major League Baseball player and former St. Louis Cardinal. Today, Jason Samatachi is an assistant pitching coordinator in the Kansas City Royals organization. He was the pitching coach for the Springfield Cardinals, the AA minor league affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals from 2014 to 2018. He was a starting pitcher for four years in the Major League Baseball division, from 2002 to 2004, and in 2007. He made his Major League Baseball debut with the St. Louis Cardinals in May of 2002 and was a part of the 2004 St. Louis Cardinals team who won the National League Championship Series and made it to the World Series for the first time in St. Louis since 1987. Today we will talk to Jason about his career in Major League Baseball, his time as a coach, and now how COVID has impacted the game of baseball over the last year. We will also discuss with him where technology has started to play a role in baseball and in our youth. It is my great honor to welcome Jason Samatachi to the show. Jason Samatachi, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I greatly appreciate you taking some time to join me today and, and talk about your baseball career. No problem. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Nice to be here. Absolutely. Well, let's start, uh, I guess, in the beginning. Uh, talk to us about growing up, what that was like for you and and how baseball became a part of your life? Uh, well, let's see. I grew up in California, just south of San Francisco, um, actually in Sunnyvale, California, which is uh, the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. Um, my, my, I had an older brother, or still do, and um, three years older, so I got to throw, get thrown around like a rag doll from his friends <laughs> playing sports growing up. Uh, so. I think uh, my little toughness came from there, but um, tenacity to all that stuff, I think I just got tired of getting bullied by those guys. Um, not really bullied, but you know what I mean. Um, sure. Manhandled, I guess you'd say. And um, But we just, we grew up, my dad played uh, sports in high school. Actually, all our whole, pa- our whole family went to high school, same high school together. Oh, um, wow. Not together, but uh, same high school. And then... Um, so as we as they went to Fremont, then I went to Fremont. My brother went to Fremont. We played basketball, football, and baseball. Um, and um, so kind of just uh, I don't know the athletics just kind of took over. I guess uh, I mean I I like to say that I went to school because I wanted to learn something and get a degree. Uh, but I went to school because I wanted to keep playing. 
and whether yeah. it's football, you know, whether it's football or, or uh, baseball. And uh, I found out real quick my freshman year in college, I went to junior college, Deanna's a junior college, and found out real quick that I got manhandled uh, being a wide receiver. And I realized I didn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that uh, turned me to baseball. Um, and I said, okay. So I, I, I finished football. Um, ended up really not doing anything. Just, just stood on the sal- sidelines and just kicked and punted and PATs and stuff like that. But uh, just tried to stay away from those big guys. Yeah. But anyway, so that led me to baseball. And um, at that time, I needed to do, uh, they needed a catcher. So I ended up catching and um, my dad caught with the Pirates organization. My brother caught for in high school and at D'Angelo Junior College. Um, so I ended up catching and, and uh, it wasn't until later on in the year, we were blowing out a team and uh, our head coach ended up wanting, need someone to pitch. And I said, well, I'll pitch. And I, I struck out four of the six guys that I faced and then I never caught again. So that was pretty much when my career changed as a pitcher to a pitcher. So what year of that was that was junior uh, junior college or what year were you in college? Yeah, that was a, that was my freshman year in college and it was a junior college, you know, um, to get to junior college. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it's it's there in Cupertino. It's still there, obviously. But um, yeah, so actually you the head coach there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go. For, so you go from catching. They put you in uh, to pitch because uh, you guys are blowing another team and you throw yeah. strike out four of the six batters and you never caught again. You started pitching from there. And that's what I guess. Is that when you realize that maybe you had some you had a good arm and you had the stuff? Um. Well, I always. I, so I wanted who like, again, you're going into college. You just want to play, especially just coming from football. I'm like, man, look, I don't want to sit on the sidelines and I don't want to yeah. be that guy. So uh, coach asked me to to catch. Of course, okay, fine, let's do it. I'll get to play. Um, but I had pitched in high school, and I enjoyed pitching a lot better than catching. Um, but uh, I didn't know how good I was. I just, yeah. um, you know, I just went out there, and I, I think it was just the fact that I could throw strikes is what it was. And I, I used the fastball change up curveball at the time. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that was it. Yeah, it was just like, okay. So um, then from then on, you know, their pitching coach got a hold of me and I don't know, just um, went from there. I, mean, I Yeah, I went on from there. I mean, we had some good guys that were on that team and uh, I was our third starter at that time. So, um, so then yeah, you, it was you finish out college, go to the minors. What was, what was the what was it like getting into the minors? What was that experience like for you? Uh, it was real quick. <laughs> yeah, I got drafted in 96. Uh and got released before the season even ended in 97. Yeah. So um, let's just say I didn't give myself the best opportunity to, to succeed in baseball. So yeah. um, I was I was the party guy going out, you know, and I think when I signed, I think there's a lot of a lot of people that sign. Their aspirations are like, hey, dude, I'll be in the big leagues here in three years or whatever it is, you know, yeah. um, which was so far from the truth. Um, so, yeah, I was done. And then so. I mean, after that, it was a whirlwind because I was literally going, I was driving home from Lansing, Michigan, and or was not, I was going to drive home, and then the team, the Royals, ended up flying me. They said, we'll fly you home if you want to fly home. So I said, all right. But uh, by the time I got home, I ended up having another job for the next year uh, at Independent Ball in Springfield, Illinois. 
And uh, so that was, it was a lot of ups and downs, a lot of uh, hard-headedness, um, not realizing the opportunity that I had, always thinking that it was always going to be there, naive about stuff. Uh, I think the only reason why I kept being able to do this was because I had parents at home um, yeah. who supported me in a sense of, look, at you're either going to school or you're going to play baseball. And if you're doing that, then you can stay at our house. But yeah. other than that, find a job and you're going to go rent an apartment and you're going to get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely. Well, and sometimes you need that, you need that, you know, a mentorship or tough love. I guess you could use it word you could use as well to to push you in the right direction. So you so you go to you go to play baseball in the independent league in Springfield, Illinois. How long were you in the independent league before you got brought up to the Cardinals organization? So uh well, so well, that's the where the roller coaster goes. So that was in 90 98 I was with the Springfield Capitals. Uh then I after that I went to I signed out of there to go to Pittsburgh with the Pirates in 99. I went to Hickory, North Carolina, low A. Uh got hurt at the end of the year, got released at the end of the year. Again, I mean it's just doing stupid things on off days. I'm jumping on a trampoline and hurt my knee. I get called up the next day. I can't go because my knee's all jacked up. So there was only like two weeks left in the season. So I ended up driving home. And on the way home, and he just said, hey, look at where we're going to leash you. Well, anyways, I had befriended a guy uh, who lived in Australia. So I went out to Australia in the, in, in the summer of 99, our, our winter, their summer. Um, played there. Got hurt again dry, uh, getting out of a pool, out of a pool thing. So I come home. My knee's still messed up. I had surgery on my knee. It was just a meniscus tear. Italy calls me. So I go play in Italy in 2000. Uh, I make the Olympic team for Team Italy, go to Australia, play in the Olympics, sign with the Twins, go to Venezuela, play in Venezuela winter ball for 2000, 2001, go play in AAA that next year, sign I go back to Venezuela after that. Then I signed with the Cardinals out of Venezuela in 2000 and 2001, 2002 winter ball season. That's that's how I got to the Cardinals. Dave LaPointe was the guy that was my pitching coach, and he was the one telling them that they needed to sign me. Yeah, sounds like a roller coaster. I mean, you're not only were you going from <laughs> yeah, you're going from country to country, the state. I mean, you were all over the place. But I gotta assume there's a lot of you know minor league players that experience the same type of roller coaster oh there's no well that's what i don't think a lot of people grasp the concept of what it is to be a minor leaguer i mean you're literally i mean whatever happened like four or five years ago these guys sued major league baseball for less than minimum wage you know and they're only playing for five months and they got to go find a job and then they got to train and all that stuff so um when I got up with the Cardinals, I think I was like fifteen thousand dollars in debt, and I had really no. I mean, like if I if the Cardinals would have released me, uh, fifteen thousand dollars in debt for me at twenty, I would have been twenty eight years old, and no experience, no college degree, no nothing. Um, yeah. I would have been that guy living in a parents' basement, I guess, you know, and trying to yeah. make me. But anyways, uh, that didn't happen. But it is um. Uh, you know, plan A, plan B, school is good, piece of paper is great, um, yeah. Yeah. especially nowadays, obviously, but uh, it is something to fall back on. But being a minor leaguer, I mean, it's it's miserable. I mean, 
everybody like not everybody a lot of people want to go and see the game and oh watch the rising stars but no one really wants to be you no one yeah. wants to be in your shoes they don't want to they don't want your lifestyle you're eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at least that we were peanut butter and jelly sandwiches um you know the travel sucks the all to get that chance what's that all just to just to get a chance at, at the majors just to get an opportunity right i mean it's it's uh and and it's slim but nil it literally is. It's, it's so tough. It's an uphill battle. It always is. I don't care who you are. Yeah. So, t- so you get called up by the Cardinals. You come to St. Louis. Uh, you're here for three, four years, right? Yeah, I was here 02, 03, and 04. 04, yeah. More up, more down in 04 than I was up, you know. But Because yeah. of a shoulder injury, correct? Yeah. There was. Well, I ended up hurting my shoulder midway through the season, going up and down. But, uh, you know, I, I, the good thing about the Cardinals that obviously a lot of the people, you know, the fans, they know like they're, they're always, they're never really rebuilding. They're always just reloading. Right. So even though I did very well, uh, in 02, uh, helped out a little in 03. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it you was, in 02. yeah, it, but it was, it was just like, Hey man, look at, we can get better. We can get better. And that's what the Cardinals do very well. It's like, they just. They they're always searching and they don't want to be rebuilding and they've always done a good job of that. And um, it's it's just so even if the guy like me, I mean, I think with no three, I think they ended up signing. I don't know how many starting pitchers trying to fill that fifth role in yeah. three. And I mean, it was it was like, man, I won 11 games in two and I got to go do this again. Well, that was no stranger to that anyways, because I had never had a multi-year contract. I was always one year, and I never even knew if I was going to play the next year. So, right. me, the competition didn't bother me. Yeah. So, 2004, the Cardinals make it to the World Series, but you weren't on the playoff roster because of the shoulder injury. Is that correct? Yeah, that's um, yeah. I hurt my shoulder, and then I ended up having surgery during the World Series uh, on my shoulder. Um, but, yeah, that's, I mean, listen, I wasn't pitching very well. They had en- enough guys that were doing a lot better than me. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't, you know, listen, that's the, that's the name of the game, right? You're part of the team, dude, whether you're a small part or a big part, you're a part of the team. And at one point or not, you know, they needed some help from me, um, which was at the end of the season. I mean, I, in 04, I didn't even, I didn't get a September call up. So I'd been sitting here in September in St. Louis. I was got a call on Sular for like two and a half weeks. I didn't do nothing. I mean, literally just came home and I was at Sular market. My agent called me. He's like, Hey, listen, uh, Julian Tavares broke his hand and they need you in Houston. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> perfect. So <laughs> yeah. I ended up uh I mean perfect for me because I get to play again. But so anyways, I ended up somewhat helping out the bullpen. I mean, Cal Elder was Cal Elder was there and they were using him a lot, uh, riding him a lot, but obviously the playoff run was coming. So um I I think I only picked up a couple of innings, but Bottom line is, I mean, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a big role, but it was a role. And but like, but like you it, said, every, yeah, every player, no matter the role, it has a role in in that season, right? Right. There's, I mean, it's big or small. It's an important role. And yeah. uh, and and at that and then at this level, at the major league level, listen, let's get to the dance. Bottom line, who cares? We're we're in it as a team. We're gonna win, lose, whatever it is. But let's just get there. And and. You know, my part was so minimal, but um, hey, man, that was part of the team. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank and Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. 
That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders Podcast, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. So let me ask you this. So pitching you know, in front of the crowd in Bush Stadium in St. Louis, uh, I guess it would have been Old Bush that you were in. Uh, what was that experience like versus pitching in other stadiums? Is it is it really am I am I biased being a St. Louis Cardinal fan? Is it really uh, an experience unlike other stadiums? I mean, I've been to other stadiums, but I feel like in St. Louis it's always a packed house. Uh, I don't think if, I don't I don't think the I know Cardinals obviously not being from here, coming here, falling in love with St. Louis Cardinals, falling in love with St. Louis, uh, and seeing and then obviously going playing with the nationals in 07 and going around and seeing it from a different perspective. Um, I I don't think it's being biased. I think it's, I think it is realistic of the fact that it's pretty, pretty darn cool um, to even when, because when I was playing, wherever we'd go, there'd be a sea of red. You definitely see Cardinal fans coming to watch you. Um, Then when I came over here in 07 or went to nationals and then came over back to visit, um, it was, the same thing it's just it's just a different feel you know i'm like man it felt weird wearing a different uniform but being yeah. in bush stadium which is the new bush stadium now but yeah um the the nostalgia the the aura that you get of walking into old bush stadium uh or even this one is to me was like walking into old yankee stadium where you knew all the legends had played you know yeah. and uh, there was just something, and then obviously being a fan of the game, uh, having the passion for it, it just it meant that much more. I mean, and and so knowing that all the great players that the Cardinals have had in the history of their game have played, majority of them have played at that stadium. Um, it's a, uh, and you always hear about the fans. Um, yeah. But it's uh, yeah, it it, it was special. I mean, it it is. It, there's, it's there. You feel it, and and it's yeah. I don't know. It's tough to describe. Yeah, you know? no, I can understand that. I think I think a lot of us here in St. Louis, we, I mean, we're obviously love our Cardinals. We love baseball, and uh, I've, you know, I've had the pleasure with my job to be able to travel around the country and be to go to several stadiums, and and I'm always wondering, you know, the feeling I get when I go to a Pirates game or Cincinnati Reds game or something like that. I mean, there there's fans there, and they're loyal fans as well, but um, I I never feel the exact same type of or that you're saying that you feel when you're inside Bush Stadium. Um, and I think the other thing that's really cool about St. Louis, and maybe you can attest to this, is even after players have been here and they leave and they come back, usually St. Louis gives a pretty gives a pretty good reception to those past players. I mean, prime example, Albert Pujols comes back a couple of years ago to St. Louis, hits a home run, and he gets a standing ovation for hitting a home run in an Angels uniform. I, I don't know how many other how many other teams and towns would rally behind the past players. Well, on top of that, not only past players, but even players that that come into the stadium, and they 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 hit a milestone. Ken Griffey Jr., right? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, uh, any players that whether it's an opposing pitcher or or it makes a great outfield play, play catch, whatever it is, has an outstanding. They they. I'm not saying. Listen, I'm not gonna blow smoke up St. Louis's. You know. And say, so yeah. you guys, well, listen, we all have our faults. I mean, I remember when Izzy was getting booed, when his hip couldn't even, he can barely even walk. I yeah. remember him yeah. getting booed. But you know what? That's that's part of the game. 
But another thing is, though, it, our, our expectations are, I say are, the Cardinals fan base is excellent. Yeah. Have they been spoiled? Well, they've been gifted. <laughs> they spoiled. They've been gifted because the people in the front office, the scouting, all that department have been doing their job and very well. And then you get to player development and they develop players. So, I mean, the guys are working their tails off in the organization. But the fans have come to the point of, dude, this is our expectation. We're getting to the playoffs and we're going to get to the World Series. And what I mean, that's the that's the whole goal. I mean, so right. anything less than that, then why are you even going to compete? You know. Yeah. So yeah. I get, but yeah, there there it's a it, the fan base is pretty sweet, man. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So okay, so now you're part of the Royals organization, coaching now coordinator. So tell me, you know, from coaching to now being a coordinator, has the coaching style changed? And what with like with new technology, analytics, what what is that like? Yeah. So when I got into coaching with the Cardinals, that was I think twelve or thirteen. Um, Crackman had just come aboard, or at least was being talked about. Spin rates were being talked about. Um, uh, the the vertical and horizontal movements weren't being talked about, but it was mainly just spin rate. Okay, this guy's got a good spin rate. What well, what can we do with that? It was just being talked about. And then Levesque and and Paul Davis, um, Brent Strom was was part of that. And uh, and I, I just was like, man, my first thought was being old school guy. Dude, what is this going to do? I'm going to teach these guys how to pitch, execute pitches. If they don't get their stuff here and they don't execute pitches, then it doesn't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, luckily the year after that, it was as a coach, I didn't want to miss the boat. So I started sitting and then listening and giving. OK, fine. Look it. Um, so I sat down with Paul Davis for about two three hours, just listening to him talk. Uh, trying to get some information, whatever it is. The bottom line was there's no doubt about it, old school being your eyes and your heart and your feel and your experience. And if you've got to be able to communicate, it's going to help you coach the kids. No doubt about it. You got to, you got to gain their trust, stuff like that too. But that's all, but that's, that's still here in the game. But now these kids, I say kids, these kids that are coming out of college, they know about TrackMan. They know about Rapsodo. They know about Edutronic. They know about spin rates, tilts, uh, spin efficiency. They know this stuff. And if you don't know it, your your trust from them is out the door. Sure. So, so now it gets to the point of, okay, it's great. Okay, we need to make sure, which we have with our coaches, this last year in quarantine, it was like, okay, here it is. Every week we're getting these guys on. We're going to go through every single thing that we can that we deem important as an organization, philosophy-wise of analytics, um, stats, whatever you may, whatever you may call it, um, and go through it, make sure they understand it, so they can at least talk the lingo, understand it if someone's talking to them, um, because the trust has always been number one, I believe. Yeah. You know, you can BS your way through a lot of stuff. Bottom line is, it's going to come right to the top, and you're going to lose that guy's respect, and you just might as well be talking to a wall. Yeah. Um, so. Um, it's 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 and you're seeing it now. Now everybody's gone. There's a shot in the arm two years ago. If everybody wanted analytics, everybody wanted uh, guys like Kyle Bodie. Um, listen, Trevor Bauer has been really good for the game. Some people will say old school people will say, man, this guy just needs to shut his mouth. Well, wait a minute. He's making people ask questions. He's making people check themselves, see what their foundation, what their true beliefs are. Well, that's what we need to do with what's going on now with baseball is 
it's getting back to shot in arms of all analytics. Everybody's, oh, okay, we got to get this, we got it. Now people are going, wait a minute, that guy doesn't have a feel for the game. He doesn't know what it's like to pitch in August and it's 104 degrees. Oh, by the way, he's got 160 innings. He's a little tender. He don't know what that feels like because he's never done it. Yeah. So now all of a sudden it's getting flipped and going back and it's going, okay, guys that are retiring from the game know about all this stuff. Guys like me that was kind of in the middle of, in the between, was like, okay, now it's old school plus new school, and now here it is about communication. So now it's flipping back. We got a couple of GMs that just got hired that actually played the game. Um, so it, it's starting to mix, you know, which is great because yeah. I think it's good for the game. Yeah. So talk to me. You mentioned a little bit there in quarantine and this COVID pandemic. How has COVID and this quarantine affected you as being a coordinator for the Royals organization? Uh, it's it's talk about Zoom calls. I mean, that's. <laughs> about stalking it about it 10 months ago 11 months ago but uh it was uh i mean it was all it was, that's all it was i mean it sucked because just like you're talking we actually can see each other beforehand it was just phone calls now it's zoom calls you get to see the guys um but it was uh every week uh coaches would go and call the we'd get lists for the coaches um they would call the, the uh, kids every week they'd get back to us we'd have a meeting for about i don't know 45 minutes like we're doing now every Monday or Tuesday, um, they would email it, me uh, all the pictures, what they're doing. We'd send out a throwing program because we didn't know exactly when they're going to be fall leagues. So, I mean, it was really tough because you didn't know when those, when we were going to be able to play again. Yeah. And when we found out we weren't going to, then it was like, okay, we got to get these guys ready for fall league just in case we have it. So um, we did a lot of, um, what do you call this? Web uh, webinars, fastballs. We had, we had some guys, uh, former pitchers, uh, call in, uh, this call in and, and, and talk to our guys. Um, I think Urban Meyer was on one of them. Um, I don't know who else. Um, uh, Smoltz called in. I mean, just because we have friends that know these people, right? So yeah, absolutely. Um, just sp- talking baseball because that's what we miss. I mean, that's what we want. And, and I mean, yeah. you can't play. You might as well talk it. So that's what we did. We just tried yeah. to learn. So you're still part of the Royals organization, but you still live here in St. Louis. I got to imagine, you know, St. Louis is still holds a special place in your heart if you still live here, right? Yeah, big a big part of that's uh, the woman your that's downstairs looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your wife, right? <laughs> My wife, right? Um, so did yeah, you meet your part- did you meet your wife here in St. Louis when you were pitching for the Cardinals, or how did you and your wife meet? No, um, so I when I got here, I didn't know who she was. We had mutual friends by the time after a couple of years, but. Um, I decided to stay here because like, living in California, you're getting taxed out of the wazoo. Money goes <laughs> a little bit farther, and I like to hunt and fish. So in 45 minutes, I can be, you know, doing that stuff. So, um, but anyway, so I met my wife um, literally through a mutual friend. Um, this is such a corny, it's so corny. So anyway, so I got a friend. <laughs> I mean, this is weird how it happened. But anyways, so I'm I'm on the internet uh, in 07. I'm in spring training in florida and um i got a buddy of mine and at that time it wasn't uh facebook it was myspace remember that yeah yeah <laughs> so anyways so i'm on there and i'm talking to my buddy and 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 it has like your five best friends down below and one of it was this girl <laughs> hot chick that i had to like <laughs> man okay so I'm like, hey, man, what's up with this girl? How do you know her? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, I don't know, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's telling me all this. So anyways, that's it. So I 
what do they call it? DMing now. I still so I yeah. Up, you direct you a message to your wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know my debonair handsome handsomeness. You know, I just took <laughs> took it from there. <laughs> that's hilarious. No, that's cool. So she, your wife is from here in St. Louis. I guess was she born and raised here then? Yeah, she's born and raised. She she yeah. moved around and um yeah. So the question is, where did she go to high school? Right? Yeah. You where, know, where'd she go to high school? She's a Limburg. She's a flyer. So. Limburg. Okay. All right. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, Jason, yeah. I appreciate you getting on here today. I got one last question to ask you, and that question is, if you could give this audience a piece of advice, whether it's uh, about baseball or whether it's life in general, what piece of advice would you give our listeners? Hmm. Uh, well, I would say the prep. Okay, so preparation is is, is key, right? So preparation, and so I always like going through my career, whatever it was, it was almost like, I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to wing it. I got experience. I know this, I know this, but I wouldn't say I was totally prepared until I got to the big leagues. And I realized what it took to be prepared. And then I realized, okay, if S hits the fan, I've got a foundation. I prepared myself. Now, whatever happens, happens and I can live with myself. So, um, I was, I was fortunate enough to be sitting next to metal arc lemon, uh, at a pool holes foundation dinner. And, Unbelievable. You talk about aura. But anyways, his key, his thing was preparation is powerful. And I'm just like, mm, I like that. So that's that's kind of how I'm be prepared, whatever it is, just be prepared. And that way, when you go to do whatever it is, job interview, perform on a field, a test, doing something like if you're prepared, how it comes out, it is what it is. Yeah. Right. Results are going to be what they are. And so be it. But as long as you go into that being prepared, it's going to be very powerful. You'll be successful no matter what. And uh, you'll have confidence going in. Yeah, I agree. That's that's a really good piece of advice, because to your point, as long as you're prepared, then you can you could be at the end of the day, you can be happy that you did the best you could uh, and you prepared yourself to be put in a successful position. Whether it happened or not, that's a different story that you can't change that. But you if you can control being prepared, I think that can be uh, very impactful. I agree with that 100 percent. Yeah. So. Well, Jason, Thanks, on behalf of the on behalf of the STL Leaders podcast, I really great uh, greatly appreciate you taking some time to come on here. I enjoyed watching you pitch for the Cardinals uh, for a few years that you were here, and I wish you nothing but the best with the Royals organization um, and and entering into this new 2021 season. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Good talking with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the STL Leaders podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode of your STL Leaders podcast.